the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. If we look to the answer as to why for so many years we achieved so much, prospered as no other people on earth, it was because here in this land we unleashed the energy and individual genius of man to a greater extent than has ever been done before. Those who say that we're in a time when there are no heroes, they just don't know where to look. The sloping hills of Arlington National Cemetery, with its row upon row of simple white markers, bearing crosses or stars of David, they add up to only a tiny fraction of the price that has been paid for our freedom. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it. We will not surrender for it now or ever. We are Americans. This is the Bob France Authority on AM 1420. The answer. Thank you so much for being with us on AM 1420. The answer is a free-for-all Friday. You know what that means. Anything and everything you want to talk about is fair game. No calls, no topics will be turned down nor censored. It is a free-for-all. You want to talk about the uh, Major League Baseball cheating scandal? We can do that. If you want to talk about the Democrat Congress uh, cheating scandal, we can do that. Yeah, there are two different kinds there. <laughs> you talk about Iran. You want to talk about um, uh, uh, what uh, Congressman Renacci and I were just discussing with respect to refugees. Anything is on the table. Whatever you want to do on a Friday is fair game with me. It's 216-901-0945 is the number. That's 216-901-0945. Write it down and save it. And also 888-281-1110. I haven't done the social media thing today, so if you want to hit me up there, follow me on Twitter, Facebook, Parlor at France Radio, F-R-A-N-T-Z, France Radio, all together, one word, no spaces, and no underscores. You want to talk about Martha McSally calling out the media, essentially saying enough is enough. We're tired of, uh, of uh, you know, playing games with you guys. Uh, you, you're going to treat us the way you do. We're going to call you what you are. You want to get into that? We can do that. Whether or not, again, the President of the United States. I will. Uh, I did mention uh, social media. I mean, I haven't given out the address, but um, I did have a social media tweet here that I wanted to read from uh, David, who said, to Martha McSally, great job. Uh, we, the American people, are solidly behind you and against the enemy of the people, which is led by at CNN. And that is true. And then he also responded to me this way, and thank you, David, for this tweet, at France Radio. Kudos to you for stating the obvious, which I had not heard anyone else state. I haven't either. That it is uh, uh, at real Donald Trump that laid the groundwork and the roadmap for other Republicans to finally fight. And that's true. George Bush was a decent and honorable man. He was. I, I don't think he was the best president we've ever had, 
I think he made some mistakes. I think his immigration policy was garbage. But he was a decent and honorable man who did everything he could to try to protect this country after the worst terrorist attack in the history of this country. On September 11, 2001, he had only been in office, what, eight months? Uh, and that happened, and he took bold action. Now, you history will discuss and debate forever whether or not it was right to go into Iraq, but I believe he went there for the right reasons. I believe uh, uh, that what George W. Bush did uh, was very controversial, but I think it was in the best interest of the United States. We just got hit by the worst attack ever. We've got a terrorist despot in the Middle East named Saddam Hussein who has weapons of mass destruction. We know this because he has used them many, many times against his own people. We also know this from a variety of intelligence sources in the U.S. and from around the world. We're not going to get hit again. Maybe he won't strike us with them, but he'll sell them off to somebody who will. We need to take bold, decisive action, and he did. The way he was treated by the press for the remainder of his terms, plural, in office, was simply unconscionable. Worse than what the press did to uh, his father. Worse than what the press did to President Reagan. And he took it every single day. It was beneath his dignity to get down into the trenches and fight with reporters and editorial boards and news anchors, etc. And it harmed him, his presidency, his effectiveness, and his legacy as a result. Donald Trump came into office and said, not me. You swing at me, I'm swinging back. And in fact, I might even beat you to the swing. He says he's a counterpuncher, but he has thrown punches first at a lot of leftist uh, uh, media members and fake news purveyors just because of what they've done in the past, even if it wasn't directly to him. And it changed the game. And that's why a Martha McSally is willing to go out there and call the press what they are. It's why you see and hear somebody like Lindsey Graham, who had previously been far, far, far more demure and much more uh, um, tolerant of leftist attacks, out there calling other media members out in the same way. Donald Trump has laid the groundwork. He has kind of paved the road to fighting back and getting fair treatment from the press or just destroying the credibility of that press. And it's one of the reasons why they have to get rid of him. It's one of the reasons why we're sitting here facing this impeachment nonsense in the first place. He's dangerous. He is upsetting the entire institution of leftist media coverage of politicians, uh, skewing the facts, uh, spinning the stories and the truth to able enable their Democratic uh, friends, which they overwhelmingly have, if you look at all of the surveys of media and journalists and newsrooms. Uh, it's uh, it, it, it really is. It's a dangerous thing for them. All right, let's go to it. 216-901-0945. Who's been sitting here the longest? It looks like it's Navy man Norm. I haven't heard from Norm in a few days. Norm, good morning. Good to have you back. Go right ahead. Well, thanks to this wonderful 10-day sinus infection, that's why you haven't heard from me. But That must be what my, my son is suffering. It feels like it's never going to end. Poor kid can't breathe. He's, <laughs> yeah, I feel bad for you. Yeah, Trust me. Exactly. Okay. Martha so McSally what's on your mind? Martha McSally just got a $25 donation from me because she showed once again that it's evidently the women of the Republican Party that have the cojones and not the men. And I'm speaking specifically of the treasonous three uh, Murkowski, Susan Collins, and Pedro Romney. Uh, Rush called us back in November, Bob, about this Lev guy, this Ukrainian, this convicted felon, who took a million-dollar bribe from Russia. 
and he called it in November that the Democrats were going to bring this guy up at the last moment. And this is exactly what they're pulling, just like they pulled in the Kavanaugh trial. The yeah. same agenda, the same, uh, the same plan. No witnesses, period. And the Republicans should just stand firm and just say, you know what? We looked at your papers. We found them totally lacking, totally of any substance. You can have them back. Case closed. I don't care if the president's acquitted or not. As far as I'm concerned, he shouldn't have been charged in the first place. So why play their game with them? Why, why give them an inch? And this is the thing that drives me insane. The Republicans want to play by the uh, Marcus of Queensbury rule. No. I, that's why I love Trump so much. He doesn't play by those rules. Just what you said, Bob. He fights. He's a street fighter. And, and he's, I, I compare him to people like you. Uh, people like uh, our buddy from North Olmsted, the Vietnam vet, myself, we're not going to take it. But these other ones, the, these wusses, I, I just can't say, well, we want to be fair, and maybe we should have a reciprocal agreement of uh, witness for witness. That reciprocal agreement isn't worth the paper would be written on. I was watching Fox last night, and they said the Democrats could possibly get their witnesses in, but it might be hard for the Republicans to get the ones the president wanted in. Now, what, what is that about? You no, know, and, and, and I don't think that's going to happen because they're fighting back now but more than they ever have before because I think they're following the lead of the street fighter. You heard Lindsey Graham say it. You heard Ted Cruz say it. Uh, and I think you've heard Mitch McConnell say it. The leaders uh, in, in the Senate and in the Senate judiciary in particular are saying if there's going to be witnesses, and we don't know if there are, it still takes 51 votes, and the Democrats only have 47 of those seats. But if there are going to be witnesses, um, then there's going to be witness reciprocity. If for every one that they call, we are going Going to call one, and they want it to be known far and wide. The first witness we will call will be Hunter Biden, and there is no executive privilege that would allow him to escape that subpoena if they call him and subpoena him to testify. And if they put Hunter Biden on the stand, everything Joe Biden has been involved with goes, uh, goes public. The, the second one I would call would be that so-called whistleblower. That would be the one I call because his or her uh, testimony would be pure hearsay. So, you know, if we get into that, into the trenches, fine. You know, it, but I want to see the Republicans play hardball, Bob. I know you do. I know our listeners do. You know, it's just that uh, Rush called it in November. That the Democrats are going to pull an 11th hour stunt, just like there are, <laughs> with this Lev character yeah. from Ukraine who's trying, who's, who, who will say and do anything is what the former prime minister of the Ukraine said on TV. Uh, to keep from going to jail, to stay out of prison, so. exactly. We, he wouldn't be the first. He wouldn't be the first to do that, uh, and and that's exactly why he should not be paid any attention. Norm, I got a jet, my friend. I want to get some other people on the air. Thank you for the call. Uh, next up is going to be Bob in Medina. Bob, thank you for your patience. I know you've been there a while. Go ahead, sir. Yeah. Hey. Uh, how you doing, Bob? Um, good. Yeah. Good radio. Good radio. Uh, uh, the last um, uh, caller that you just spoke with, Norm, uh, you may have answered my questions and put my mind at a bit of an ease, but uh, throughout all of this process and in the past, I've been concerned with uh, Lindsey Graham, you know, as well as Mitch McConnell, and if they're going to use their you know, uh, their, you know, power to, you know, really protect our president. You know, and so I mean, do you have any concerns with that? You know, as far as uh, as far as these two uh, uh, senators are concerned, 
Um, are you talking specifically about McConnell? Yeah, you know about him allowing. Why, why do you to, feel? Why do you, you tell me? Why do you have trepidation that he's not going to? Um, well, uh, I was watching Laura Ingram last night, yeah. and uh, he basically she made a comment regarding uh, Mitch McConnell uh, allowing uh, uh, the witnesses, you know, and that he really doesn't have to, you know, do that. He can just dismiss the whole thing, you know. Uh, and that's and maybe I don't understand fully. And that's well, why let me let me say for... this, Bob. Let, let me say this. I I think Mitch McConnell, when he made his announcement, which of course ticked off Nancy Pelosi so much that she sat on the articles for as long as she did, when he said, "We will," meaning the Republican leadership in the Senate will coordinate our defense with the White House. Um, that that means I think he's going to do everything he can to make sure that the president uh, is indeed well represented. But here's the thing that he's not going to do. He's not going to take or make some procedural move um, that could then be viewed as uh, being part of a cover-up for the president when the inevitable acquittal happens. And there will be an acquittal. Okay, The numbers are just, you know, you need 67. They don't have anything close to that. There's no way they're going to flip a ton of, uh, of Republicans to vote. I mean, in fact, I think Hugh talked about it this morning. There has never been in the three impeachment trials, uh, or two previously, there's never been a member of a party who voted to remove from office uh, the president that, that represents his party. No Republicans are going to vote for it. So here's the thing. Does Mitch McConnell want it to look like we covered it up and that's why he was acquitted? Or we gave them everything. We gave them every opportunity. They presented witnesses and new evidence, and the president was still acquitted which means that this entire thing was bogus, politically motivated, politically driven, partisan, etc. And the president got his day in court. They had every opportunity to prosecute him, to remove him from office, and it failed. Because then the president escapes, well, I shouldn't say escapes, then the president comes out of this on the other side clean as a whistle and runs for re-election on that momentum. And I think that's all Mitch McConnell is looking at here. I appreciate the call, my friend. We'll take more calls right after this. Say in 1420. Job by DJ Darius. Like we we're we're 1026 onward. In <laughs> 1420, the answer. Um... I could have more fun with that, but I, I want to play this because of what our last caller was asking about whether or not there should be witnesses and so on, and about whether you know not Mitch McConnell will allow them. I, I want to I want to spotlight the hypocrisy here of the Democrats. Um, Democrat Minority Leader in the Senate Chuck Schumer was also in the Senate in uh, in 1998 when Bill Clinton was impeached, and he had a very different view of things back then. Um, he repeatedly said, and I'll quote from January 14th, 1999, actually, during the uh, impeachment trial on the Senate side, where witnesses were, uh, uh, whether or not witnesses should be called was, was asked then. And Chuck Schumer said at the time that it doesn't make sense to call witnesses during the Senate trial. It doesn't make sense that witnesses should have been called during the House impeachment inquiry and then included in information that were transferred to the Senate for trial. 
This was Chuck Schumer then. But let me say this idea that they didn't have to call witnesses in the House and they should call them in the Senate doesn't make sense. You call witnesses before a grand jury and you call witnesses before a trial. So there were some on my side, I was not among them, but some on my side who argued strongly that they ought to call witnesses and they resisted it every step of the way. There has not been a good explanation why 60,000 pages of testimony was good enough for the House, but isn't good enough for the Senate. In other words, 60,000 pages of testimony that the House gathered and compiled and archived and sent over should be all that the Senate considers, not new testimony and new documentation and so on. So that's how he felt in 1998 or 90, 1999. But now here he is today suggesting that uh, it, it uh, should be incumbent upon Mitch McConnell to call for witnesses and to get new information and to allow new documentation uh, to be brought forth. So the hypocrisy, the sea of hypocrisy in which these people swim, knows no depth. I mean, honestly, it is, it is bottomless. Todd is in Ward 1 on AM 1420, The Answer. Hey, Todd, how you doing, buddy? Yo, Bob, a little bitter. Yo, Todd. I'm a little bitter, so I'm going to express my brief bitterness, and then I'm going to get to the longer reason why I call. Okay. Um, Rock and Roll Hall of Fame did not allow Rufus and Shaka Khan in as inductees. I'm I'm questioning um, their, their voting is very suspicious to me at this point. To the point where I think they should be investigated. Well, now, let me. I'm with you, by the way. Um, but let me ask you about the Biggie question. Biggie Smalls finished, according to what I read. 13th out of 16th in the fan voting that was previously used uh, as a barometer by the actual voters of the Hall of Fame. He finished 13th out of 16 nominees and yet was one of the five chosen to go in. How does that happen? And Dave Mathis won the whole thing in the fan vote. Yeah, he got over a million votes. Right, right. He got over a million first by a lot and wasn't among the top five. So you're right, man. I don't know what they're doing at that Rock Hall. I don't know how they make the choices they make. I like Chaka Khan, by the way. I'd be with you on that one, too. Rufus with Chaka Khan. Right. Well, don't, I know, I know. I, 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 yeah. Chaka, Khan, Chaka Khan is probably better known to a lot of people than the, than the band. Than yeah, Rufus just, with Chaka the Khan reason, was. The reason I said that is because a lot of people downplay those seven dudes and one woman that helped make Rufus and Chaka Khan what it is. You know? It's and true. It's true. So, I'm with you. But you know so, what? Uh, when Chaka Khan has a song named after herself, Chaka Khan, Chaka Khan, <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, guess what? She's going to steal the show from everybody else. You know that. Mm-hmm. All right, what else you got? What, shoot, now you now let me drop this too, so I can hurry up and get to it. It should be noted that that Shaka Khan, Shaka Khan, that came from the first rap um, inductee of Grandmaster Flash and the Furious Five, and they let Whitney Houston in, and Whitney Houston redid a Shaka Khan song and kept saying Shaka Khan all through the song, but she's in. <laughs> Go figure. That's okay. a great point. <laughs> it's suspect, man. The whole thing. It looks. This, the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame is a very important institution to me, but their voting is suspect. And they All need right, to change so, the name of it, by the way, to the Music Hall of Fame. Because you know what? There's a Country Music Hall of Fame down in Nashville, or is it Nashville or Memphis. Nashville. Uh, we, I think it's Nashville. There's a Country Music Hall of Fame, and you know who's in it? Just country artists. Yet the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame has rappers, R and B, country, uh, pop stars like Whitney. I mean, they're, they're, it's not rock and roll. It's just the Music Hall of Fame. So it's entirely different. But anyway, hey Todd, listen, hold the line because uh, it's ten thirty. I got news, and I know you want to make another point larger than this okay. uh, than griping about the Rock Hall. So hold on, you'll be our first caller after the break on AM fourteen twenty. The answer.
always love the music selections from uh, DJ Darius, who's running our show today. And this is the standard, the Tears of Fears uh, bumper is what we play going into the 1035 segment every single day. But I'm going to have to overrule you on this one, my friend, just for the purposes of our conversation. Chaka Khan, Chaka Khan, Chaka Khan, Chaka Khan, let's I feel for you, Darius. This is what I love about Free For All Friday. I never know what I'm going to get from callers, seriously. I did not predict before I started the show today that I would be talking about the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame and the eligibility... And the election or non-election of candidates like Chaka Khan, Rufus with Chaka Khan, as uh, my caller brought up. But since he brought it up, let's jam for a moment or two, shall we? This is probably why, like I said, most people don't associate Rufus and Chaka Khan or with Chaka Khan. They just, this is her biggest hit. I was a sophomore. I was a sophomore in high school when this came out. I'm dating myself, I know. I uh, I would have to uh, agree. Uh, there are, there are some bands and some artists that probably should be in the hall that are not, and I will never understand, quite frankly, the voting and the way they do it. I will also never understand why they continue to call it the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, and yet they let in uh, pop stars who do do no rocking whatsoever. Uh, They let in country stars. They let in uh, rap stars. They let in R&B stars and so on. It's either rock and roll or it isn't, right? Um, Ask Bob Seger that question. Uh, All right, Todd in Ward 1 is the one who brought all of that up. Todd, that was for you, man. All right? All right, just be clear. No R&B. No rock exists. Be clear on that. Understood. No Understood. No but then, there, then, then make an R and B wing or something. But the rock hall should be about rock, or it shouldn't be. Just like the country, you know, you could argue that without you know certain other uh, influences of music, there wouldn't be country music. And yet, the Country Music Hall of Fame doesn't let those other influences in. It's just country music. So that's you know what I mean. You 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 could argue that without cricket, we wouldn't have baseball. Do we have cricket stars from yesteryear in the Cooperstown Baseball Hall of Fame? I don't think so. It's not about the influence. It's about that particular uh, element that, that is being celebrated in that hall, right or wrong? We're on opposites on this one. So let's move No, forward. you can't be. We're, we're Hold on. on answer, my, answer my cricket question then. Should there be cricket pioneers in the Baseball Hall of Fame? Because without one, you wouldn't have the other. No. Okay, no. then how can you say there should be R&B stars in the Hall of Rock and Roll Hall because without one you wouldn't have the other? Because there is such, in, in the in the livest rock music you can find, use the Rolling Stones. There is some, there is a whole lot of R&B in that, and it would not exist w- without it. So but, you cannot... but, but, but nobody views the Rolling Stones as an R&B group. They're a rock band, they and they've always you, been a rock band. They no would tell you, if you are. sat down and talked with those dudes, particularly Mick Jagger and the one that stoned out his brain all the time, what's his name, Keith? Yeah, Keith Richards. Yeah, they would tell you that their bass, not only in their bass, but all through their music, is R&B. Uh, all through it, and it's true. I, I, and whether it's true. it is or it isn't, they're a rock band. Uh, it's straight R. Now, if an R and B band converts to rock, 
or or starts with R and B bass, but then develops rock music. Fine, but if you start R and B and you stay R and B, you're not rock and roll. If you start rap and stay rap, you're not rock and roll. If you start country and stay country, that's all I'm saying. I think all of the other genres have their place. Love them all. And I'm an eclectic music dude. I got a lot of each of those different elements on my iPhone playlist, Todd. But when it comes to the Hall of Fame for one of the particular elements, that particular element should be exclusive to that particular element or genre. So that's where we're going to have to leave that one. All right, what you else? Sound you like got? A guy you got some on impeachment? You sound like a man that doesn't play instruments. So I'm gonna move forward. You're right. I I'm do not play forward. instruments. All yeah, I do, like it. all I do, is butt dance. I can't dance on my feet. I would fall over. So I will do the if I'm seated. I can I can groove while I'm seated. That's about as far as I go. Okay. So I wanted to tell you. I wanted to talk about gender masking and why I why I call it gender masking. There's a case in Connecticut which I'm actually going to contribute some money to. By the way, mm-hmm. um, Selena Selena's soul. She was a high school track and field athlete in Connecticut, and her and two other girls are being defended by this agency called the Alliance um, Defending Freedom. Um, Christina Holcomb um, was the attorney that filed the complaint for Selena didn't make it to the um, state finals because she had to compete against two boys. Yeah. And the reason, you're familiar with this. I am very familiar with it, yeah. And she had we, we, we have Alliance Defending Freedom on the program from time to time talking about some of the cases they represent, including this one. So, yeah, I'm with you. Go ahead. And she's making a very strong case that she did not get to compete fairly because there were some people that were unfairly in the competition, some boys. And this is what I was saying. This, is, this lends itself to what I was saying to you the other day. You can mask your gender by changing your walk, inducing some chemicals and hormones in your body that either don't exist or only exist in such a small level that they're almost dormant, change your hair and a handful of other things to give the appearance of being a separate gender. But your cellular makeup at its base is, is going to be what you are. You, your, your gender is determined within the first 72 hours of conception, and that cellular makeup enables you to do things that the other, genders can't, that the other gender cannot do. And they t- these types of things, if, they, if you keep legitimizing them, or trying to legitimize them by calling them transgenders and not gender maskers, then they get a ch- then they get opportunities to do this, which is slow foot boys who could not make it to the boys state finals because because of, of their times, but have times that are very very strong in the girls state finals and get in there and win races and and keep people out who are trying to get somewhere in life with their athletic performances. So this is why I say we shouldn't be saying gender. Transgender, we should be calling them gender maskers. You don't need to ban them off to hell, call them crazy, or dog them out in the streets, but just call it what it is and accept that because when they can do things that other gender that the other gender can't do, and vice versa. Todd, I will agree with you a hundred and ten percent. You're never going to change it from transgender the the labeling from transgender to gender maskers but you're right they are they're masking their real gender they are hiding it under a different set of clothes and maybe a wig and maybe some lipstick or whatever it is uh and it is it's masking and it's cheating um you 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 probably remember the movie Joanna man yeah i remember that yeah, right? I mean, that was masking. Uh, th- that's exactly what that was. A dude was pr- pr- pretending to be a woman to go out there and dominate women's basketball. And it was comedy, and it was funny and everything else. But th- how is that any different than what is going on uh, right now? And you're right. I hope that girl wins her lawsuit. And it, wasn't there was, was just one girl who sued? Uh, in, Three. In that? 
Well, three. she's the only okay, one they can name because she's 18. The other two girls are mine. That was it, yeah. yeah. But, and, and, and that's the only in that particular case, there's those three. But this is happening in more and more states. If you Google uh, you know, transgenders winning female competitions in high school and college athletics, you will find them all over the country. Uh, there needs to be something done to protect these girls. Uh, there's a reason why, and you're 100% right about um, you know, chromosomal science, physiological science, anatomical science, uh, and, and the differences between XX and XY, and there's a reason why they compete separately, because it is simply unfair to ask them to compete against one another and to allow somebody, because of their mental or physio- uh, psychological, rather, psychological impairment to uh, mask their own gender in order to compete in others is completely uh, wrong. And I hope, she wins, or they, I hope they win, and I hope, uh, uh, and I hope it's stopped all over the country. All right, man. Todd, thank you, brother. Appreciate it. Uh, uh, I hope you enjoyed that little bumper. That was just for you, little Chaka Khan. And if you want, maybe we'll fire up some Rufus with Chaka Khan (laughs) before we're done. Uh, All right. A long wait there for Mark in Fairview Park. I appreciate that, Mark. Go right ahead. Yeah, it was a great uh, point that Todd made there. But uh, what I wanted to uh, speak to you about was uh, yesterday, were you talking about a movie I was working and I just overheard uh, uh, Last Full Measure? Yes, yes, The Last Full Measure. It opens up on the 24th. Yeah, is, is, was was that about the pararescue from Air Force? Yes. Oh, okay. No, no, I, well, I no, well, 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 hold on. I, I wouldn't say pararescue. It was it was a medic. This was this was this was a medic in Vietnam who saved over sixty soldiers that he did not know by continuing to go back. He had plenty of opportunities to flee the most bloody battle of the war or one of the bloodiest battles of the war, and he kept coming back time and time again to rescue one after the other after the other after the other. So, uh, despite the fact that the previous caller, I think it was TJ, who's a vet. Uh, said that medics were frequently targeted, even though that was against the Geneva Conventions as far as the rules of war. Uh, those trying to save lives, like medics, were not to be targeted. They were by the North uh, Vietnamese during that war, and they have been in other places as well. And yet, despite being targeted, he continued to come back and saved over 60 uh, soldiers. And his story, he was put up for the Congressional Medal of Honor. It was denied. Uh, it was held up for a long time. This is a story of the fight to get his heroism recognized and um it's well, something I ju- that i, well, I just I want to see if i could put a plug in for uh when you mentioned when they mentioned pararescue the air force is like special forces they have a pararescue and they were the maroon berets and uh when i was in vietnam we there was a bunch of us airmen i was in the air force at that time we were called up to during the bombing of uh north vietnam by the b-52s so uh nixon was trying to get them to come to the uh negotiation table and uh, a few of us were sent up to a place uh, way up in northern Thailand, uh, called Nakam Phanan. And, I mean, you just fly in this jungle and jungle and jungle, and all of a sudden you look down, here's this little tiny, like, a postage stamp. And we landed there, and it's right up by the Mekong River. And uh, what it was, uh, the uh, pararescue was operating out of that area there. So, But the, the, uh, uh, the, the one night, we a number of the B-52s went down, and these guys come into our shop, and what we, we were doing was uh, we'd outfit them with their weapons, rifles, sidearms, uh, radios, uh, locator beacons, survival vests, and all that, and uh, get them ready, and then they'd head out on these helicopters. Now, they're going out there, and they're basically looking for signals from the pilots and that that uh, ejected from the B-52s. And uh, I just wanted to bring this up because, uh, you know, they they haven't got the attention that they really 
uh, really uh, should have gotten. You know, a lot of people don't, you know, there's very little talk about the Maroon Berets or Perry Rescue even today. You very right. seldom hear anything about them. But well, there's going to be enough talk about you, it because, yeah, there's going to be a lot of talk about it uh, because of this movie. And, and I did just confirm that Pitts and Barger, yes, indeed, was U.S. Air Force pararescuemen who flew on mm-hmm. over three or almost, rather, 300 rescue missions during mm-hmm. the war. But, and he was well, just uh, keep in mind, Bob, that these these guys are going out in the jungle up in the up into North Vietnam on these helicopters. Just they don't have anything pre-planned like uh, raids on Bin Laden or anything like that. They're going out there locking onto a locator beacon and have yeah. to get these guys out. And at the same time, they were always worried about they could be fake signals too, because the North Vietnamese captured all kinds of this equipment from our downed pilots. Right. So I just well, wanted to give that's some why, recognition. That's why to this these story guys. is so important. Yeah, Mark. That's why this story. And I thank you so much for the phone call. Um, that's why the story is so important to shine a light on these uh, heroes that not a lot of people. I talked. Well, I talked to the director the other day. The director of this movie, uh, Todd Robinson, is his name. And um, and I talked about so many Vietnamese, or not Vietnamese, so many stories from the Vietnam War. So many stories of heroism that have not been told need to be. Because it's quite frankly not as, you know, it, it's not as glorified as the heroes from World War II, because that was considered to be a just war, and the Vietnamese War, of course, the Vietnam War, rather, uh, of course, was, was viewed differently by a lot of people, including a lot of anti-Americans in this country. Uh, so there are stories that still, to this day in 2020, uh, that have not been told that need to be told. And uh, the spotlight will be shined upon Air Force pararescue men through this uh, story of William Pitsenbarger called The Last Full Measure. Thank you, my man, uh, for the call. Uh, who's been waiting here? Oh, it's 1040. I tell you what, uh, stay where you are. Um, take this time out here. Last time out, we'll get the last three, four phone calls that we can before the top of the hour right here on AM 1420 The Answer. Hewitt is feeling the burn, the promo says. I feel bad for the guy. <laughs> Seriously. I knew a guy who felt the burn once. Uh, had to get a shot, clear it right up. But uh, you really ought to be careful with that, Hugh. Take care of yourself, young man. A uh, few more phone calls here before the top of the hour. And Mike Gallagher on this free-for-all Friday. Uh, John in Chardon has been waiting a while. Thanks for your patience, John. Go ahead. Hey, morning, Bob. Good morning. Several months ago, you had uh, Governor uh, Mike DeWine on, and you meant to ask him whether or not his allowing refugees to come into Ohio included both illegal and legal refugees. But DeWine monopolized the conversation to the extent that you didn't have a chance uh, chance to do that. I'm wondering if that's ever been clarified. If well, you know. I don't. Let me say this: I I don't recall that specific question being asked of Dewine. Um, but I will say this: if I did ask that question, it was probably foolish of me because uh, when we're talking about refugees being admitted into admitted into the United States, they are by definition legal. If the government is saying we will take X number of refugees from X numbers of countries and we green light them to come in, vetted usually and hopefully in all cases, they, they can't be considered illegal. Um, the, 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 well, only way, the, the only way somebody could be here accepted as a legal or excuse me, an illegal refugee would be when they come through, you know, for example, with these caravans taking advantage of catch and release. They come here and cross the border illegally, so they are illegal. They turn themselves in, 
then they're, while they're being processed and they say, I want to claim asylum, while the asylum case is being processed, as you know, then they release them into the general, you know, territory and population of the United States, usually never to be heard from again. So they're illegal, but they were accepted as refugees seeking asylum while their case is being heard. Then they're supposed to come back for that case and then have their case adjudicated, but they don't, they don't come back for it. But as far as refugees yeah, being brought in from other countries, specifically with the government's permission and sent to states that will take them, they are by definition going to be considered legal. Yeah, but I, what I'm saying is Ohio a state that will take them or not, you know? Uh, well, I mean, particularly... well, first of all, it's all up in the air now, uh, John, yeah. because, because a federal judge just yesterday or Wednesday uh, ruled that President Trump can't do that that he can't do what he did, which is say, I'm going to leave it up to the states, rather than you know allowing hundreds of thousands of refugees to come here and putting them wherever we see fit. I will tell governors of states, if you choose not to bring them in, we will omit your states from relocation or resettling of these refugees. So the, the yeah. federal judge said he can't do that now, but when he was allowed to do it, DeWine did make his statement. You probably saw this about a week ago. DeWine did say that Ohio will indeed accept refugees brought in by the federal government. Yeah, yeah, okay. Well, thanks for the clarification, Bob. It's a little muddy still, John. I'm clarifying it the best I can because, like I said, we have a state's right decision here that was offered by the president to the states to say, if you want to refuse them and not have refugees that we take in as a federal government come to your state, just say so. And Governor Greg Abbott of Texas said so. We don't want them we got enough problems here with legal and illegal immigrants, you know, because of our southern border. But Mike DeWine in the state of Ohio joined about 40 other governors and said, yeah, we'll take them. So that was when the president was allowed to, to, to you know, let the governors accept or reject the idea. Now that a federal judge has said the president can't do that, it's all very muddy. So I don't know where it's going to go, to be honest with you. But Governor, excuse me, Governor DeWine did say he would take them, and yes, put... Uh, uh, federal refugees, you know, international refugees brought in by the federal government, to say that more accurately, I suppose, he would put uh, put them in the state of Ohio. Mike DeWine would do that and put Ohio taxpayers on the hook for educating them, medicating them, keeping them healthy, uh, keeping them fed, keeping them housed, et cetera, et cetera. So, yes, it would be our governor, Mike DeWine, accepting those refugees. And again, their legal status would be would be legal because the federal government would be greenlighting their their um, their presence here. Cuyahoga Falls, Don, you're on there, Don. Hey, go ahead. Hey, uh, good, good, Bob. Uh, Happy New Year's to you. I'll be Thank quick you, here. Sir. I know we're short. Uh, yes, you got me just off topic a little bit. You're talking about That's the okay. Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. <laughs> uh, I agree. <clears throat> you know, the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame should be rock. I know it had its. Uh, it's birth in the blues and rockabilly and, and western and country, but uh, you know, for what? Why not just induct everybody who ever played any musical song into the Hall of Fame? Just induct them all. Everybody who ever cut a record and, and pretty be much headed it, that know. direction. It seems like, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, I mean, just induct everybody. But uh, I, I did want to talk about Jim Renacci's comments just a little bit. Uh, you know, I like Jim Renacci. I didn't think he was quite as driven. Uh, he wasn't as strident when he was in Congress, and I was as I would like to have seen him. He was kind of compromising sometimes, but I don't think that this impeachment is all driven just by political, uh, political, politically. Uh, I think this is ideologically driven and hatred driven, 
and a lot of it's swamp-driven. Uh, so I just wanted your comments on that. I, I think there's more to just uh, getting reelected. I, I do agree with him that that's their goal, most politicians, but I think there's more to it than that. Well, I think there are some ideologically who are opposed to the president or personality. I don't even know if it's all ideology. They may be more in tune to ideologi- ideologically than they would want to admit, but they don't like him personally. They don't like his personality uh, in general. Mitt Romney comes to mind. But I do think that there are, I think Jim Renacci's right, there are some Republican senators who want to be reelected who are in states that where it's very they're very vulnerable. Like he mentioned Gardner in Colorado as an example. And Murkowski, or uh, Collins rather, is always a question mark there, too. So I think there are a handful of them that are simply looking out for number one, meaning themselves. They are completely politically motivated in protecting their own seats in the Senate. I think there is truth to that. Now, are there some, excuse me, that are part of the swamp that are just trying to undermine Donald Trump? Like I said, yes. I think Mitt Romney comes to mind. There are. But the ones that... uh, uh, the Congressman Renacy was talking about, I think they are pretty much just personal protection-minded people. And uh, and that's about it. That's where I have to leave it. I apologize, apologize to those I left on hold, but we are out of time. Thanks to uh, Congressman Renacy. Thanks to you. Thanks to Derek for running the show today. Have yourself a fantastic weekend. We'll see you Monday. Bye-bye. Enjoy the silence. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.